Welcome to Asia New Horizons, where law enforcement practitioners and academics get together to share knowledge and ideas to shape the future of crime analysis. I'm Nadia Dwominen. Uh, I suppose you'd call me a career intelligence analyst or intelligence professional. I spent 10 years or so in the Met Police as an intelligence analyst. And since then, I've worked in uh, sports integrity and the financial sector in intelligence investigations. Again, surprise, surprise. And uh, I've also been doing my own work as a freelancer, trading as new insight analysis for about the past eight or nine years now. Uh, and a lot of that has been training, uh, training people in the weird and wonderful world of intelligence analysis. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. You do a lot of stuff. Um, this conversation is well overdue, 100%, because um, I, yeah, I follow you on LinkedIn. If whoever doesn't follow you, they should, because you are very motivational. Um, and I said to you, you are, you are. Um, and I said to you as well, when we last spoke on the phone, I just said, you know, you say it how it is. And there's not many people in this industry that have the confidence to just say you know this is how we're feeling this is what's going on I'm struggling I think one of your posts you were just so honest because usually I like your post about hiking and we do quite look mm-hmm. similar um and then one day you popped up and just said you know I've been struggling and this is what I've been struggling with and the response to that was immense you had loads of people saying thanks for sharing this I feel the same way it's great to see you're back on your feet um, so my question to you is, how how did this all come about? Like, how did you start to become, I don't know, maybe intentionally or unintentionally motivational for those that are within this sector? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I don't know if it's definitely unintentional, uh, the idea of being motivational. What you, what you said just there about that post, it was less about, again, trying to be motivational and more just saying, hang on a minute, I think people are seeing me as, you know, because I feel so obviously I choose what I put on LinkedIn yeah. and I try and put stuff that encourages what I see to, or, or what I believe to be the right things for intelligence analysis, critical thinking and so on. And I, I suddenly thought, do people think that I'm just completely positive and happy all the time? I don't want to put a false image out there. Let me just make sure I'm going through this tough time. Let me put it out there and rectify that. Um, more from a point of honesty uh, rather than anything else. But, you know, I do put a lot out there about mind decluttering, um, which I suppose maybe I do hope it motivates people to pay attention to it themselves. Um, Because I think the one thing that we're not very good at is making ourselves individually a number one priority, especially within the world of uh, law enforcement or any kind of public sector work. We're usually secondary to the work. And um a lot happened personally to make me realize that that's wrong you know we will be better workers thinkers um riskily saying better people if we put ourselves first and make ourselves a number one priority absolutely absolutely and I uh, yeah I'm definitely I don't put myself first enough I I just said to you I I never take time off work like Mm. that's crazy And I just feel like so many people can relate to that. We just don't take the time off because we know that we might just fall behind or not potentially miss something, especially in law enforcement. It's so full on, so full on. Um, So did you see any of this? I guess you did when you was working and still are working within law enforcement. But I guess people that are close to you uh, going through this that made you think, you know, this needs to stop. We need to 
declutter our minds and really focus on us. Yeah, it's a, it's a total catch-22. Like you just said before we started this recording, you, you want to take time off because you're knackered, yeah, um, yeah. but you don't want to take time off because you know what you'll come back to. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I had whilst working in uh, law enforcement. It's definitely something I know, you know, friends and colleagues that I have that still work there still have the same problems. And it is a unique environment and it makes it a real challenge uh, to balance it all out. Um, but it also exists outside of that world where things are perhaps more manageable and more malleable. But what the most important thing is, is I think people tend to look at this mind decluttering. What they do is they go along and they say, oh, I've reached crisis point. Oh, suddenly I'm really stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to do something about it. Uh, oh, I'll do a bit of that mind decluttering. Yeah. And what we need to do is say, well, actually, I am going to work out how I embed this in the everyday, um, make it a regular part of my life. So it's not, you know, the phrase itself, mind decluttering, it, it sounds like, well, it is what it sounds like. Um, you know, imagine decluttering your house. You might tidy it, clean it, organise it. And you don't want to let it all build up. And then yeah. suddenly you look around and think, oh, my God, this place is a dump. I've got to clean it. Yeah. You want to try and maintain that all the way along so that you have some habitable space. And it's the same thing for our minds. So whilst within law enforcement, there's probably less wriggle room because of shifts, um, you know, whether that's early as nights or whether you're doing 24 hour shifts. And I'm no stranger to those. And I know how exhausting it can be. But there are still ways to work in in little ways, little tweaks, little things you can do um, that will help you keep your mind as calm as possible, as clear as possible. And the longer term, though, about saying, you know, this this bit of a catch-22 about if you take time off work, uh, you're going to come back to a load more work. It is, it, it is really, really difficult. Um, and there is no one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, but it is possible to address if we start being kinder to ourselves and personally that's one thing I want to do this year for myself is be kinder to myself because I, I, I suffer similarly um, you don't enjoy the time you have off because you're worried about all the stuff you're going to go back to and that's not the right way to be so we have to try and fix it yeah I um you know, I've never spoke about this on an on this kind of platform but I just feel like it's important I just get really bad anxiety thinking about going back to work knowing that there's going to be so much there I love work like don't get me wrong I love it and I think many people within law enforcement absolutely love it you get a buzz mm. the adrenaline you know the results but I don't know I just get a sense of anxiety knowing that I'm going to have to work harder longer hours in whatever I'm doing especially my PhD at the moment longer hours you know I've got other things going on and it just makes me anxious and then I'm sitting at home and I'm so cautious of the fact that I'm anxious and those that are around me are suffering from it because they're not seeing me relax. They're not seeing me enjoying my time off, which is what we're meant to do. Like, have you ever suffered with that? Is that normal or do I need to? I think it's normal. I've definitely been there, done that. It happens all the time. Um, again, it's, it's a really, it is a difficult one. Yeah. You kind of have to, if you hit that point, perhaps there is something, you know, where you talk about, medical uh you know or psychological yeah. attention that's absolutely a, a thing it's something if you think you need it I would never discourage someone from seeking that kind of support I've I've had that kind of support in the past 
Um, it's And it can be really, really helpful. But equally, maybe you're not at that kind of crisis point where there's still something that you can do in and of yourself. But it does take, it does boil down, I think, a lot to organisation and being strict with yourself and saying, right, let me just take a step back and see what what's causing this anxiety. Um, what can I do to try and remedy that? Is there stuff, and it's often, is there stuff that I can chop out? Yeah. Am I doing things that I really don't need to be doing? Um, can I get rid of it? Because it's usually a combination of two things I find that causes the, the anxiety, information overload um, and decision fatigue. If you're having to make decisions all the time, especially if you've got, you know, tens and tens or hundreds of tasks up in your mind of stuff that you haven't done yet that you know you need to do, it creates this kind of mental tension that's just unbearable. So part of the mind decluttering um, stuff that I teach in my own workshops is about recognising that, understanding where it comes from and understanding ways, depending on what your sources of tension are, understanding ways of alleviating those sources of tension. Yeah. it's little little tweaks that you can make here and there but only once you've identified them because yeah. whilst you're in that swirling bit of anxiety and overload you can't see the wood for the trees so you do have to take that step back and say well, okay what's causing the issue here um what can i is there anything that i can get rid of is the ideal chop out anything you don't need yeah. then what's left that's still causing me anxiety right how can i alleviate that tension yeah also on the flip side recognizing what really works for you what makes you happy uh what boosts your mental function and dialing that up a notch yeah that's so important and I'm just thinking like with those that are in law enforcement and rein me in here if I'm going off topic Mm. you say you know remove the things that you think right I don't need that right now within within law enforcement is there that opportunity to do that like when you have this heavy load noise overload all the time emails calls chasing you know courts etc you can't really get rid of any of those I mean or is the organization supportive of this when you was there still are there are they supportive of it are there people you can talk to I guess there's people amongst yourselves you can discuss but for the actual help and people that you can go to and say, you know, hey, I need I need to take this. I need to dial this. I need to rein this in a little bit. I think the way the job was when I was in it is very different to how it is now. So anything I say about my environment at the time perhaps is not a reflection of the current reality. Um, what I do think, and I think it's relevant across any organisation, whether it's law enforcement or not, it's very helpful to have your senior management pushing this message down yeah absolutely because if you are doing your best to try and manage your tension your anxiety and so on and be efficient because let's face it that's what it comes down to sometimes it's about efficiencies rather than just doing things the same way um because it's always worked that way but trying to be efficient and change things it's helpful to have that support from the top Mm -hmm in doing so because if you're trying to do it on your own (laughs) and what you were saying about saying it how it is at the start but I have said things in the past I've ended up in trouble more more than a few times especially whilst in law enforcement but ultimately you know put my head above the parapet a few times and and got the results I needed though it was with you know be quite frank and say it threats of disciplinary along along the way because of insubordination or whatever but ultimately it did it did work and it improved relationships 
Um, And it was that kind of thing where, you know, for example, we were working on um, uh, 24-7 intelligence cells to deal with gang violence. um, And it was exhausting. And I was working every morning until two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And then suddenly, oh, Nadia, you've got to go in and also deal with this uh, conspiracy to murder. And it it was like, well, hang on a minute. Well, this is too much. And I just said no. I said I said no to a DCI as a a baby face analyst. You know, uh, you've got to find someone else. There are other people that can support you on this. I'm not the person to support you. And I got in a world of trouble for doing it. But ultimately, it happened. Somebody else was found to support them in this. A better solution was found. Mm. Maybe I didn't go about it the right way. I don't know. But that is what I did. And I think that maybe with the support of your management as well, that sort of conversation can be had in a much perhaps better way and still uh, reach the same solution. Yeah. I bet I bet your heart drops like when you said no oh yeah thank you so much for sharing that because it's okay to say no and you're thinking of the bigger picture that you're not going to be you potentially might be not be the best person for that job because of everything else um so do you think that was your sort of aha moment within your career where you thought right it's got to change um I don't know I to be honest I think probably not in a sense I was quite the, the whole say it like it is thing um would you call me bullish? I'm not really sure, but certainly as a young analyst, I I wasn't overly concerned about upsetting people. Um, I'm pulling a face here, which I know you can't see on a podcast. (laughs) I didn't mean to upset people, but I would just say, look, no, or I'm not doing that or whatever, which is not perhaps the right way to be. Um, But my aha moment about the importance of mind decluttering um, and how it ties into critical thinking because I don't think those two are seen as um, related, but yeah. they absolutely are. It didn't come until probably a few years ago, four, four years ago or so, when I was, you know, it's, it's very easy to be a critical thinker at work and to be, for me, be a critical thinker at work and be quite decisive at work. In your personal life, it's a bit more difficult. Yeah. And um, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition a few years ago. And it, basically I was told, look, there's no cure you're going to be on this disgusting medication for the rest of your life with these really horrible side effects. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. Um, not sure I accept that. You know, intelligence yeah. analysts, there have to be alternative hypotheses. So I went off and started researching things. But in researching things alongside a full-time job and freelance work, I, I found myself overwhelmed, got really stressed. That exacerbated the condition and I was in this vicious cycle. And that was my aha moment because I thought, well, hang on a minute. If I really want to make everything work, I've got to take a step back and get myself to a place of well-being physically and mentally. That will facilitate me to be able to think critically about the information I'm gathering and make good decisions forward. And then that also translated into work. But my aha moment was very personal. It was to do with my personal life rather than my work life. And that was when I realised that's I need to make myself a number one priority. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you do that as well by your workshops that you are developing. We see a lot of stuff. Again, if you don't follow Nadia on LinkedIn, please do, because you're always sharing what you're doing. And it's it's amazing. So how does that work? How, how did this workshop come about? So we sort of spoke about the reasons for it. And I guess I guess the problems that are within law enforcement, well, no one's shy to this. We know there are issues within law enforcement. And I've definitely heard before that it is very 
you know, they go up the chain to make you do what you have to do. And they'll just keep threatening and sort of oh, yeah. the chain. Um, so how do these workshops come about? I mean, they're great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it was partly the story that I've just told about my own, yeah. I hate this phrase, my own personal journey. But you know what I mean, <laughs> um, that I went through a few years ago. But before that, I had noticed anyway that friends of mine, um, not necessarily in the intelligence community at all, uh, they were struggling making decisions. Uh, they were going round and round and round in analysis paralysis, basically. Yeah. And these are people that are smart. They're logical. They're reasonable. Um, they were struggling. Other friends of mine were on social media sharing this information. And I thought, what's going on? Why, why, wow. are these, yeah, why are these people that I think of quite highly, why are they doing this? And it, it was, again, information overload. Yeah. So I started to think about, uh, well, you know, dealing with information overload through mind decluttering, but also teaching people about thinking skills and and maybe putting lots of different things together, all these little touch points on different elements of thinking skills. So stuff that's fairly basic to intelligence analysts, you know, evaluating information, how you do that, Um, but looking more in depth at cognitive bias, logical fallacies, how we reason, different types of reasoning, but building into that mind decluttering to say these things are inextricably linked. If you want to develop your thinking skills to their optimum levels, you have to bring in this, this mind decluttering. You have to make yourself a priority. Um, and it, yeah, so it was those experiences of seeing others around me struggling. Um, my own experiences of combining the two and how well that worked for me. I cannot explain the difference that that has made in my own life um and it's you know in a a sort of weird preachy way I want to tell people about it because it worked so well for me sure I want it to work well for others and the way I did it isn't necessarily the way that will work well for others but there are lessons that can be taken from it um so yeah it was putting it all together into one workshop and Yes, it's absolutely applicable to anyone in law enforcement, but also anyone anywhere else. So it's open to members of the public. Um, It's open to anyone who's interested in developing their thinking skills. Um, But also the other key point about it is that it's thinking skills in the modern age, because half the reason we're all suffering so much is how available we are. Um, You can't get away from notifications. You can't get away from information. It's around you all the time. And it's half the reason that I try and spend as much time as possible in the woods, uh, either hiking or trail running, (laughs) because you can't get me there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you're so right. Like we are so available. And then when you say no to things, you feel so guilty for saying no. But you know, deep down, that is the right decision. And I've had to learn that although at the time it might not feel okay, doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. It just means that you're... I don't know, you feel responsible for letting people down or people might say, well, she can't do the job or he can't do the job or whatever. And it's just, it's crazy. How are your workshops going? How, so they've had a lot of interest. Yeah. So annoyingly, I kickstarted everything off just before the pandemic. Um, So it was all looking like it was going to go super well. Then the pandemic hit. I think I delivered my last face-to-face workshop a week and a half before lockdown or something like that, two weeks before lockdown. Um, converted it to online um but it was it's not the same it's not the same delivering it online uh despite my best efforts uh but that said kicking off face-to-face workshops at the end of this month again 
um, I've got a nice little series lined up for, for the first few months in this year. So I'm really looking forward to getting back back to it yeah. uh, and getting that immediate feedback from, from delegates, participants in the room. I yeah. can't wait. And that's what you live for. Like that's where we get our sort of energy from is how people feel about it and seeing people's faces when they're when you can relate to someone's people like yeah like yeah I relate to that and you can see them nodding and smiling yeah it's nice because it, it just helps you it makes you understand that you're not on your own with this yeah. um yeah. and that is so refreshing because we're so used to just staying quiet getting on with the job doing what we have to do go home trying to forget about it and not bring your sort of work life back at home you get told that quite a lot but I mean, how do you really do that? There's no book for this. There's no, there's no manual. There's no training. And I think this workshop's really good. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But that's exactly the sort of thing that I try and invite people to, to assess. There's yeah. lifestyle assessments, um, which I encourage all my delegates to do. And it is this, right. What's causing you tension? What, what you said about not being able to necessarily shut off uh, or keep your work life separate from your home life. Well, does that cause your anxiety or tension? If it does, then that is something that needs addressing. And the problem is, especially working from home, everyone's circumstances are different. There's always a solution. There's always something that you can do. Um, But what your solution is will very much depend on your circumstances. But yeah, there is no book, but there are lots of resources. And again, that's something that I try and point people towards is, lots of different ideas and when they're in that workshop together it's very much about delegate discussion and hearing from each other how different things work for them and then it might spark something in you and think oh I'll try that I've never tried that before but let me give it a go and see if it works for me yeah yeah and I don't know if I can ask this question don't answer if you don't want to um (laughs) how are is the workshops going for have you been doing I'm pretty sure you've been doing some for police forces not yet how, okay so that's coming how was the yeah. planning for that because have you have you had to take a different take on it well so the workshop cpd accredited um so in a sense that limits how much tweaking i can do uh because obviously the content is uh pre-approved and accredited by the accrediting body so i can't change that um but they're in the delivery um, there are certainly things that I would focus on less because within law enforcement, it's stuff that they're already very familiar with. Yeah. Um, but it just means that we can spend more time on the other bits that they, especially the mind decluttering, that they perhaps have less opportunity to discuss. Um, well, ever, uh, you know, or especially as a team, it's not something people have it in this. Uh, I think they hear the t- term mind decluttering and they think, oh, it's this airy fairy nonsense especially in law enforcement we don't talk about that stuff you know um but it's not yeah. and that's part of what I try to bring in the workshop is that you know there's neuroscience behind this uh it's not even not that there's anything wrong with psychological theory but it's not just psychological theory there is tangible neuroscientific evidence supporting why this stuff works how it helps us make better decisions how it helps us better evaluate information um and bringing that to the table and saying right everyone around the table now let's have a chat about this and let's let's see how it can help yeah I just honestly I want to take part in one of your sessions I'm going to just join Um, I'll pay 100% (laughs) I just want to join because it's just I'm sitting here thinking like I need this in my life because you're you are saying everything people are thinking but because you're saying it it makes me feel different 
because I don't know people are just so worried about saying things and then getting disciplined or being looked at a different way yeah look don't get me wrong I would not encourage people to be uh, <laughs> perhaps the way I was when I was a young analyst a bit too direct maybe I I can see why I was considered insubordinate um I would encourage people to always speak to their managers yeah. and if a difficult message needs to be relayed to make sure that that's relayed appropriately um but equally have confidence in understanding what works for you and what doesn't and recognizing if you're not when you're at the tipping point but even if you're coming anywhere near it, recognizing that and kind of waving a red flag and saying, I need some help or support here, or I need to step away. Yeah. Um, and, and just, yeah, I think that's what we're guilty. I say we, as if I'm still in law enforcement, but I think what we've been guilty of uh, is waiting until we get to crisis point before raising the red flag. And we need to get better at either raising the red flag a lot earlier or managing our day to day with the support of our senior management, with the support at the top of the chain, in a way that means that we don't often even get near that tipping point. So yeah. We don't have to raise the red flag in the first place. Being proactive, which is what police force is all about, right? Being yeah. proactive rather than reactive. Yeah, um, proactive about yourself exactly. rather than the community you're serving, because it is important. Because without yeah. you, how can you serve your community? You exactly. can't. Do you think we should be set, setting objectives? Um, I mean, it's the new year. Have you got any resolutions? Is that part of the workshop? Yeah, kind of, look, each to their own. But And I used to hate New Year's resolutions. I thought they yeah, were ridiculous, never stick yeah. to them, blah, blah. And then I thought, well, actually, if I want to take this seriously myself, um, the whole concept of mind decluttering and improving on myself every year, making sure that I'm uh, in a space of well-being every year, why not, because some of it's long-term objectives, why not set them as a New Year's resolution? Um, make them smart, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, and so on. Um, but do it at the start of the year. And then baby steps, baby steps towards achieving the ultimate goal. And then because some things take a long time to embed as a habit or to embed through practice and, and whatnot, give yourself a full year to do it. And that's what I do now. So my New Year's resolution for this year really is to be kinder to myself because I'm not very to be honest, uh, like when I do workouts, I swear at myself an awful lot. And it's not good. Um, that's not the way to encourage yourself. It's normal. It's, it perhaps is, but I'm quite harsh with myself. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, so I'm trying to get better at that. Um, and it is baby steps. Like I say, step one for me is stop swearing at yourself and calling yourself horrible names in the gym when you're doing a workout. Try and encourage yourself in a nicer way. Um, but there will be other things that I will be seeking to address as well like what you said about stress and anxiety I take on an awful lot Uh, you know I have a day job and I do freelance and I'm managing my autoimmune condition so I have a lot on my plate and I need to really evaluate that and work out well where can I dial it back a little bit how can I be kinder to myself through management of my workload where do I need to start saying no more start thinking about that for the rest of the year so that hopefully by 2023 I'm a happy bunny (laughs) yeah but these I mean you've identified it that's great Mm -hmm. in itself I mean I need to identify things I think I have but I'm just not taking it seriously enough that's me being completely honest (laughs) um I think that yeah you have got a lot going on but you realize it 
Um, mm. And I think these resolutions, you can change them throughout the year, right? It's not exactly. just because you set them in January. I feel like people think with resolutions, because you set them, you have to achieve them by a certain point. And that's just pressurizing yourself. So yeah. really, they're not going to work. So like you said, baby steps towards it. That's a more manageable approach, um, exactly. which you can lead to being very, very happy. Yeah. I think um, I've never taken them seriously, but I think this year is really the year to just not check my phone in the mornings because it just doesn't set me off to a good start at all at all because I get an email and I check it straight away whether that's 11 o'clock at night when I'm relaxing or 6am in the morning I'm on it and I shouldn't be like that because one I'm making myself seem very available which I shouldn't be mornings some you know to a certain point is my time yeah um and I think like just being more outside taking advantage of what's around us that's free um and we don't have to pay to go on hikes and it's such a lovely day like in the summer have a picnic and just see you know the views I mean Surrey we spoke about Surrey before beautiful hikes to to go on um I don't know do you think they're good do you think I'm putting too much pressure on myself already (laughs) (laughs) I think you've come up with a range of options range (laughs) the problem I don't stop that's that's not a bad thing the point is understanding what your objective is as in what is it what's that point you want to reach is it to do with feeling less anxiety or do you want it to be about feeling happier what you know define it understand what your true true objective is and then work out what are the what are the things you can do to reach that you've identified a range of options I would say start with the smallest and the easiest and then tell yourself well I want to achieve this within three weeks and then you get to tick that box and just ticking that box gives you a good feeling And then you move on to the next stage of it and, you know, keep doing all those little things that you're ticking the little boxes as you go along. And eventually whatever you're trying to achieve becomes habit. And then hopefully by the end of, you know, six months, 12 months, whatever it is, you've reached your objective. But it still requires work and it still requires maintenance. But baby steps, baby steps. Absolutely. Oh, I just love that. I've I've honestly really enjoyed speaking with you. This is really having this conversation, I think, I think it's going to help a lot of people and I you know if anyone wants to get in touch I'm sure you're happy for them to get in touch with you if anyone wants to join your workshop how do they go about that is there like a link that they can find on LinkedIn or somewhere uh so at the moment I would say just contact me uh directly Uh, my email address is on my LinkedIn page and on my website um because at the moment it's there are no open workshops planned but if you wanted to host a closed one can sort that out with your organization uh but as and when open workshops are put back in place obviously because of the pandemic everything's been on hold then the details will go on my website and i'll i'll clearly post about it on linkedin because i can't seem to keep off the platform um but yeah if you're interested just drop me a message uh or an email and i'll get back to you yeah oh have you is that have you said everything you want to say i mean we could talk for hours have you got any more time today <laughs> just count uh, everything I just, I suppose the only thing I want to say is, right, this is nothing new. I'm not claiming to be a, a revolutionary here that's come up with this amazing concept, mind decluttering. It's been around for donkey's years. Um, I'm sure I even saw, you know, quotes from ancient Greek philosophers talking about this idea and why it's important. So it's nothing new. Um, so, although I think it's important, I'm not claiming that I've discovered anything, right? Uh But I do think it is important, especially within law enforcement and especially the senior levels of that this uh, recognition of ourselves as a priority uh, becomes a big thing. It needs to become a thing if we're all going to get better uh, at what we do and 
just have more general well-being there's a lot of focus in law enforcement at the moment on mental health which is great it's fantastic you know resources uh, to support officers and staff when they're when they're suffering that's fantastic let's focus on the bit before to try and stop it from getting to that point and that's where this idea of mind decluttering and you know managing workloads is part of that and being dis- decisive and efficient is part of that that needs to enter the conversation now from top to bottom so that when somebody and I hate to say top to bottom but when somebody at the bottom if you like in quotation marks says no that the people at the top go okay right I can see why they've said no let's find another way around this and then you feel less hesitant in saying no yeah. um, because you're less worried about being told off uh, or, or facing a disciplinary um, <laughs> but- that's crazy <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, three like, times. That's yeah. a conversation. That's part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get some management on board. Let's have yeah, that. Yeah, let's have a, a conversation. But between, I just, yeah, it's just your honesty. I, it's just so empowering, and it's oh. no, it's fantastic. Um, have you missed anything? Is there anything you want to cover? Do you think we covered everything? No, I think there's plenty. Yeah, I yeah. do, and it's been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Not at all. Thanks for having me.